Okay, then. Hi, this is Lise Lindstrom, and you are listening to the CDH Podcast. Monday, Monday, May 31st. There it is. It's Memorial Day. I'm, uh, turn that off. Um, my back is worlds better. It's, it's, uh, officially a week. Now I'm still, I'm still waking up with a pretty sore and stiff back. Uh, and so you, <laughs> I'm doing the old man shuffle out of the bed, but you know, 25 steps later, uh, it looks pretty normal. I'm still aware of it. We'll just say I'm aware of it. Uh, the, the, I can't remember one going on this long, and I'm trying to pinpoint just exactly what set it off. I mean, obviously, all the house stuff, but I mean, we are dealing with um, we. I say we, the 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 royal we. Um, it is the royal we. <laughs> just in the middle of this, it's such a hard thing. I'm not even supposed to talk about it. I probably shouldn't talk about it. I'm going to try uh, very hard not to talk about it. But um, uh, there's there's union things going on. Excuse me. Uh, there's union things going on uh, that we're all sort of dealing with. Anybody who's working at the working in New York this year, um, this year, or have worked in in the past uh, two seasons, I think, are dealing with this new contract. Um, it's a tough time, you know. <laughs> I, I think we all sort of expected uh, cuts. That's not a that's not a surprise. I think um, anyway, it's so tough. <laughs> it's so tough to to skirt around these things. I'm not generally a union man. Uh, I mean, I have belonged to one for almost twenty years now, uh, but I I have um, I have issues with some of it. I, I, there are, there seem to be like certain industries that I have no trouble with a union. It makes perfect sense to me. I love it. Uh, and then other, other institutions where I'm, where I, I think it's more of a, a hindrance in a way. And, and our union is funny. You know, the, the American Guild of Musical Artists encompasses a broad range of earners. And, um, it's, it's difficult for people with such differences in their, um, compensation to be negotiated with alongside each other, and um, this this creates a very unique set of problems. Um, not the least of which is just the language of um, expectations, and um, you you get into a funny place where you have people who are paid. Per performance, and people are paid a salary, and and um, it's it's a very difficult place to be, and I don't I don't envy any of the people who have to speak uh, up in front of these groups. It's difficult. Uh, we we have a union, and and um, it's not always easy to tell. <sighs> God damn, I, I really just shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I'm gonna shut up. Oh man. Uh you know, needless to say, you know, nutshell, we've had a year and months uh 
to probably for the first time in a lot of our careers examine just what it is uh, the union is doing. Uh, it started off with a very, very large office purchase at the beginning of the pandemic in Manhattan that raised some eyebrows among uh, several thousand due-paying members of AGMA who thought, I've just lost my entire year of income and my union is buying office space. Buying office space. And and they said, oh, will there be a practice room that could be available to singers to go in before the audition? You know? No. That will not be available. Is there a... Is there a couple of uh, hotel rooms that could be rented out for a, a greatly discounted rate, you know, to, to use on a limited basis in, in Manhattan for its constituents? Nope. Nope, that doesn't exist either. Can you negotiate in this space? Is this a place where you might negotiate my contracts? No, that is also a third-party location. So we have this thing, and we're not really sure what we do with it. Now, but what it has done... Uh, because this happened at the beginning of pandemic where everybody suddenly was really taking a close look at their finances uh, and and figuring where our lovely dues and 2% of the first 100K go to. Um, we had time, really had time. You know, when you're busy on the road, you're just, you're just in road mode. You're trying to get from one place to the next, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, and, and, and making every effort to be prepared with your music, and uh, all the billions of things that we have to do. And, and we just, we often let union things go by um, because it's sort of operating, and without ruffling too many feathers, we say, okay, it just exists. We, you know, when we came into this as young singers, all we were told was, you can't work in these opera houses unless you join this union. Okay, well, I've come this far, you know. I, I've I, I had no idea about this union until almost the first time I paid them. You know, we'd heard this word. I wasn't sure what I was going to be involved in, uh, and they told us, okay, it's going to. At the time, it cost seven hundred and fifty dollars to join. Now, seven hundred and fifty dollars when you're a twenty-two-year-old singer is like blood money. It's it, at the time it was uh, you know a month and a half rent for me. Uh, and that was what you just paid out of pocket just for the privilege of uh, joining the ranks. And then you begin the dues, um, which were, I'm not sure what they were at the time, um, around 100 bucks a year. Not, not too bad. And then AGMA is entitled to 2% of the first $100,000 you make in the United States. Now, that, that wasn't a problem for years. You know, you're not making, any, you're not making anything. So 2% of nothing is nothing. Um, but then, you know, a decade goes by and you have been paying everything that you could. You've, you've maxed out and, and um, you know, give, give everybody an opportunity to sit back and relax and, and, and cool their heels for a year and take a look at just exactly what's going on here. It started raising a lot of eyebrows. Um, I think the status quo that's gone on for decades and decades has come to a halt and, and there's a good deal of soloists per-performance soloists who feel very, very failed by this union. Very failed. It's not disappointment. We feel failed. And um, um, there needs to be movement on that. Uh, it's, it's such a fucking touchy thing to talk about. It really is. And, and I'm trying to be judicious about it too because I know that we are all spokes in this wheel. Everybody is a spoke in this wheel. Um, I, it's hard to say 
this thing is more valuable than this thing, or this part is more valuable than this part. I understand that if any one of the parts breaks down, we don't have a show. Um, it is also, as a soloist, and very easy for me to to let my ego get in the way of this. Um, it's so it's just hard. I, I I think we all know why people go to the opera. You know, there there is there is um. There's a myriad of reasons why people go, um, but you're there to see opera, and opera cannot happen without singers, and um, it just can't. There's nothing to see. <laughs> There's nothing to do. You could you could have as many pretty sets as you want. Um, you can have all the best dancers in the world. You can have the world's greatest orchestra. You can have the most beautiful space. All of those things can exist, but until there's soloists singing these oftentimes impossible roles, things that very, very few people could do at this level. Very few. It, it, this is, we're specialized. We're not specialized like, like opera was 100 years ago, but it's still incredibly specialized. The, the jumps that have to be gone through to make it to be able to sing title characters, uh, to be able to sing Verdi and Wagner uh, in these gigantic spaces that we have, to get to that level takes decades. It takes decades. And we are all committed to that. We want it. We have to. We have to. We feel like we have to. And we have to maintain uh, the level of artistry that went before us, if not exceed it. That has to be our goal. Even if we don't get there. Even if I never have an evening as good as Shaliapan or, or Nikolai Gyorov. Even if I never have a night like that. It has to be my goal, and that takes an incredible amount of commitment and and sacrifice. And so it's hard to be a soloist in the opera house and not feel that um, if we're together as a group and we're saying, this is not right, we're not happy with this, that that gets heard. Um, it, God damn, it's so tough. I don't... I, I love everybody who has who has worked hard for their positions in life. Anybody I love anybody who's good at their job. Truly, truly, it doesn't matter if you scoop ice cream, or if you're if you're uh, a, a, a general in command of a million man army. I'm I'm if you're good at your job, I love it. Uh, and so it's very difficult to say this is more important than that, or this should be happening. Uh, uh, we have so much of the risk that many other uh, portions of this industry don't. Um, we're not allowed bad nights. We do not get sick days. We are not allowed to call in sick and get paid. We're, we, we can't phone it in. We can't go halfway. We can't crack a note. We can't not look good in the HD broadcast. We have a tremendous amount of the risk. And then, on top of that, we live on the road. We sacrifice everything that anybody who stays in one place sacrifices. So if you have a home and a family and children and you're ingratiated into your community and you're involved in the school and you have holidays with your families, these are the things that we surrender. And we knew the cost. Don't, don't think we didn't know. We knew. But we balanced that with the compensation. 
we balance that with this might not go on forever and we should be compensated as as um you know accordingly and so you're 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 dealing with this thing and and i remember a quote from um uh, renee fleming and i'm not sure where where the quote comes from but i've heard it several times and she said they don't pay me to sing i would sing for free i love singing i would sing for free they pay me to be away from my family and i think in a broader sense she meant um they pay me to not have a normal life. That's why I'm compensated so well. It's not for the singing. And and it's very easy to relate to that statement. Um, I've been singing since I was a kid. I sang for a long time uh, where nobody paid me and I happily went. Um, you know, this this is this is a, a... Singing is a joy. The actual act of singing can be a joy. And, and the process to get to that moment is what I'm paid for. And so when that starts to come under heavier taxation than we're accustomed to, it's very jarring because it hits us personally. It's not just the dollars and cents. It's not just the 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 money that's not going to come in. It's the devaluing of the sacrifice that we make. Um, uh, I'm sure that there are people within our industry who get bent out of shape because they hear the numbers that, that come our way. Now, you know the the you know if you make less money you should spend less money if you make more money you can spend more money it's not you know it's not rocket science you can't judge somebody's expenses from person to person but it does need to be recognized that our group as a whole the soloists as a whole who travel the world um the the out of pocket expense is at a baseline everybody's got different stipulations within within this spending but the baseline is shocking the baseline is shocking we are always paying two mortgages always wherever your home is and wherever you are on the road so i for for a decade or 14 years yeah since 2000 yeah yeah since 2004 17 years i have always paid two mortgages two full-on mortgages and and the mortgages in the big cities <laughs> are pretty rough. It's it's nothing. It's it's very easy to to be. Um, I'm not even going to throw out numbers out there. You can find them out all by yourself. But I'll tell you that my mortgage at home for a 5,000 square foot in Virginia, I pay double in rent for a 500 square foot apartment. That's the difference. And that happens in San Francisco. Chicago, Geneva, London, where, wherever we are, Paris especially, wherever we are. So we're, we're immediately paying the double mortgage. We fly all over the goddamn world. Nobody, no, nobody picks up your flight. <laughs> I mean, the, in the States, they, they'll pick up your flight. But, the, but a, you know, a domestic flight from New York to Chicago is a couple hundred bucks. Uh, but when I fly from New York to Paris, that, that is on me. Um, and and um, that's happening... I, God knows how many times I did eleven productions one season. You know, it's a it's a constant travel. There is a a tremendous expense on the women in this business that the men don't have to deal with, uh, and a lot of that comes with um, gowns and and glamour. You know, I've never paid for somebody to to comb my hair, but but the women have to do this. Or they have to have somebody come and do their makeup because it's going to be a photo shoot. Or there's going to be, you know, they they get very upset 
if they have to wear dresses multiple times because their photo was taken. There, there's an expense on that side of it that I don't even get to, that I don't even have to deal with. Uh, I'm not somebody who u- utilizes a, a PR firm, but but um, to have, oftentimes, to have a certain level of career, it's a necessity, uh, especially for the tenors and the sopranos. Again, that's not something that I have to deal with, but the tenors and the sopranos very often need it. Um, and, and and there's a tremendous expense. And we pay you know commissions to our agents who earn them because they negotiate for us way over scale. Um, you know, our union gets a scale, which is a, which is laughable. Nobody would work for this scale. Almost, almost no one would work for this scale. Um, uh, and so we have, we have agents, oftentimes multiples. Uh, I've always had two, I've had two, uh, you know, I have a manager and then I have a European agent who helps out. And and that's been true for, for almost the whole time, 15 years of the, of the 20, um, uh, you know, and that, and that's just that's just personal expenses. That 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 argument has a hard time in the realm of the uh, the broader conversation of of uh, negotiating a contract. But but um, there there is a tremendous cost to to risking it all, which is what we do. And anybody who stands in the footlights uh, with with the with the French horns that are too loud on a night that you don't feel perfect. Um, in a costume that's just a little bit too tight, uh, there there is a there is a cost to this that we accept, um, and we 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 accept it. We we want it. We have we have said yes. This is the price I will pay, and we sign. And then halfway through it, um, we need to take a cutback, and and um, we didn't. It wasn't unexpected, and I think everybody was ready to to deal with that. We went through a pandemic, you know, it's funny times. Uh, a cut was not a surprise and we were, we were all ready to do that. And I think what happened, um, ultimately is how the cut was, um, distributed and, um, and that's, that's, uh, weighing heavy on, on singers right now. And that's probably all I'm sure I've said way too much, <laughs> but that's the state of it. And, and I'm not. I'm not sure if there's even. Um, I'm not sure if there's even a way to make it right. Uh, we may be past right, and and the goodwill um, is disappearing quickly, which is hard because we're we, every everybody that we're talking about are good people, and and um, uh, it's putting it's putting groups of of artists against each other at least at least um, theoretically, and it's. It's um, it's highlighting a lot of people's darker sides, which is n- easy to forgive um, when we've had a year of no money, a year and a half of no money for most people have not earned a penny, and so it's easy t- for an individual to say, "Hey, you know, my bottom line is this, and and uh, I don't care what you think you need or don't need." And so we're negotiating a contract in a very strange time um, where where everybody is feeling uh, a bit selfish. And rightfully, they just sort of have to. Um, there is some nice unity, I will say that. There is some nice unity among a very incredible core of soloists, people that you could never get in the same room on the same day. You just couldn't. And so there is a group, and it's um, it's strong. And uh, um, 
uh, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks, to say the least. <laughs> Maybe nothing happens, right? Probably nothing happens, but um, um, it should be heard. Uh, it should be heard, and it should be made loud and clear um, that um, um, we're we're feeling failed, and um, and I think it's uh, I think it's resonating. Uh, what a strange thing, and I don't, and I don't uh, pretend to know everything uh, or understand it all. Uh, there, you know, all of a sudden, somebody will read a rule to me, and you go, <laughs> "Well, that's a giant loophole." When when was that enacted? You know, and you realize that that something going back to the seventies or the eighties uh, is is still affecting you in a way that is just <laughs> bullshit, and you go, "Wait, what?" <laughs> so, what's the definition of that word, which means? Oh God! It, um, you do need some people in the room who know exactly what's going on. Unfortunately, we do. Uh, but then you, you, what, what happens is they've opened the open, <laughs> open the curtain back, and you say, "Wait a second! How long has this been going on? That's that's a real thing." <laughs> oh, twenty minutes on union shit. Oh, I'm tired. I'm sick of it myself. Uh, the back is better. It's good, not great. Um, as of now, it looks like I'm going to leave for Paris on Thursday. There's been all sorts of, uh, paperwork issues trying to get over there. We're dealing in a funny, a funny place where, uh, there's still a mandatory quarantine over there that has not disappeared yet. Uh, but it should, you know, it's sort of classic, um, uh, French, um, government. Uh, it's just. It's slow to get it done. Uh, It's hard for anybody to wave a magic wand. I think the political repercussions are often considered before a lot of things. And and so, you know, fully inoculated and vaccinated Americans coming over with a clean PCR test still need to sit in their apartment for seven days. Does not make any sense. Now... But okay, but that's just my personal thing, and they need to think about the broader scope and all of that. But what happens here is that, uh, and has been my experience, is that in France there are just a very unusual amount of rules, and and um, effectively not really anybody's following them or enforcing them, and so they're not quick to get rid of them when 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 it's like okay, we're done with this rule, we don't need this rule anymore, let's change it. Uh, that's all fine and dandy. They're just they'll get to it. <laughs> they'll get to it later. Now, however, when you're trying to board a plane in America, and we and Americans have a list of rules that say these are the five reason five pieces of paper you need in your hand to get on a plane to go to France, and you're missing one of those papers because the French say, "Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, they're not going to let you on." Uh, you know, our airline industry and our and our um, uh, airline security industry are just it, it, it's 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 too strict to not have. If you, if France says to America, you need all these papers to let an American on the plane, they will stick to it. <laughs> and just because you're too slow to get rid of the rule because really nobody's following it, um, it's, it's turning into a thing. So there's some stranded Americans who've been turned away from airports and we're trying to get all that sorted. But um, Tito will happen. We'll have, <laughs> it might just be Tito and Sesto for a week, but the rest of us will join soon. Uh, 
Happy Memorial Day. Do you say Happy Memorial Day? Probably not, right? We're just sort of like, we're just supposed to like, you know, like nod and squint our eyes a little bit. Like it's Memorial Day. Let's let's remember. Uh, you know, I guess you don't say it, but I mean, but you know, like I have veterans in my family. It's not Veterans Day. It's Memorial Day. We're supposed to remember the lost. So there's really nothing to say to anyone, right? It's just a day of remembrance. That's um, that's what today is. So, um, I love you for listening. This is the Monday, May 31st show, CVH podcast, episode 60-something, who cares? And uh, Thursday from uh, Paris. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. All right, bye.